From the CPRI Knowledge Hub and CPRIHub.org, this is Research Minutes, a deep dive into new and important research in the realm of education. Today, we look at arts education, which for decades has been on the decline in American schools, particularly those serving minority student populations. African-American students are now about half as likely, and uh, Latino and Latina students are now about 60% as likely to receive childhood arts education relative to what they were receiving just prior to the 1980s. But a new initiative, launched in Houston in 2013, is attempting to turn back the clock. And the principals were encouraged to really provide a diversity of experiences through the various arts disciplines, so dance, music, theater, and visual arts. And they were also asked to provide various formats of these programs, so before and after school programs, field trip experiences, in-school professional artist performances, and teaching artist residencies. Today, we're speaking with Texas A&M University's Daniel Bowen, who recently led a multi-year study of the initiative to examine its impacts on things like student performance, discipline, compassion, and engagement. Engagement. Bowen joined CPRI Knowledge Hub Managing Editor Keith Hummeler to discuss his findings and some key takeaways for stakeholders across the country. We live in an era now where policymakers and education are increasingly relying upon empirical education to inform their decisions. I think that this study really helps make the case that the arts do produce meaningful educational impacts that are in addition to the intrinsic benefits that they provide as well. That's right now on Research Minutes. I'm Keith Hummeller, Managing Editor of the CPRI Knowledge Hub, and today I'm happy to be joined by Daniel Bowen, Assistant Professor with Texas A&M University and co-author of the intriguing new study, Investigating Causal Effects of Arts Education Experiences, Experimental Evidence from Houston's Art Access Initiative. Dan, it's a pleasure to have you. Thanks so much for having me, Keith. So this study, which you co-authored with Brian Casita of the University of Missouri, has received a lot of attention since it was published, and not solely because of your findings. The subject itself, arts education, is one that has kind of been on the minds of researchers, policymakers, practitioners, and families for quite some time now. So can you give us some background sort of on the transformation of K-12 arts education in the U.S. in recent years, and why you felt this was an important area of inquiry? Uh, Certainly. So the National Endowment for the Arts commissioned a study that found the availability of arts in K-12 education has really been in the decline for about the past 30 years or so. A major takeaway from the study was when they actually broke down this trend by student ethnicity. They found that white students actually have not experienced a significant decrease in their arts learning opportunities over this time period. But African-American students are now about half as likely, and uh, Latino and Latina students are now about 60% as likely to receive childhood arts education relative to what they were receiving just prior to the 1980s. And what they kind of identify as being the leading culprit for this decline has really been the growing emphasis to standardized test-based accountability. So I think that this is an incredibly important area just because of that trend in and of itself, but also because we tend to believe that the arts provide students with unique opportunities for creativity and self-expression that we don't find in other subject areas. For this reason, as well as several others, I think that the arts are providing valuable educational opportunities that are now being lost as a result of this this trend that's been taking place over the past 30 years. However, uh, based on those trends, that I think it's important to mention that there is this arts for arts sake contention that is kind of embedded in that, that they provide creativity and self-expression. 
that it doesn't seem to be sufficient in terms of when, when we say to, to policymakers, hey, the, the arts provide creativity and self-expression for students and these things are unique. The fact that we're seeing that decline seems to be a reflection that they're not buying that as being sufficient. So that is really why I think it's critical that we examine the impacts of the arts in terms of what outcomes they provide beyond that and so the reason why Houston and specifically the Houston Independent School District really served as a useful setting uh, for investigating what happens when we boost arts learning opportunities is because the district serves a large population of students who have been losing out on these experiences. As mentioned earlier, these trends have disproportionately affected African-American and Latino and Latina students, which is our student populations that the district overwhelmingly serves. Moreover, based on some initial inventories that were collected at the campus level of levels of arts educational resources in the district, they found that in many cases, a lot of these campuses were lacking in resources. But interestingly, that there were administrators who were very eager and enthusiastic to actually provide the experiences. So it was definitely a lack of resources and not a lack of enthusiasm from educators. And finally, uh, Houston serves as a great setting for this particular study because it's such an arts-rich city with numerous cultural institutions and artists who are super passionate about arts education and were willing to partner with schools to provide these experiences for students. So in 2013, Houston, like a number of other urban school districts across the country, launched a school community arts partnership to help address those issues that you were just discussing. Can you walk us through what this initiative is and uh, what it was designed to do? Certainly. So it was a multi-sector initiative. It's called the Arts Access Initiative. And it was a partnership with the school district, school leaders, parents, They had representatives from all the major cultural institutions, local artists. They also had uh, local foundations and philanthropic efforts, as well as city government, who were really interested in committing to the vision statement of the initiative, which was that every student in Houston should have the opportunity to benefit cognitively, creatively, emotionally, and academically through the arts. And they really put a big emphasis on equity, impact of the arts, and building sustainable relationships that would allow these experiences to continue. When they advertised it, they basically told principals that they had to commit to the mission, as well as a willingness to provide a little bit of their own funding that was available to the campus. They were asked to provide somewhere between 5 and $10 per student and that they would receive matching funds. And that was really just to make sure that schools had a little bit of skin in the game. They also made schools agree to participate in professional development for both the principals as well as the teachers, and that they would work with the director and staff of the initiative to identify and select arts programs that were available from these various arts organizations that would align with the school's missions and needs. And the principals were encouraged to really provide a diversity of experiences through the various arts disciplines, so dance, music, theater, and visual arts. And they were also asked to provide various formats of these programs. So before and after school programs, field trip experiences, in-school professional artist performances, and teaching artist residencies. However, all principals were given total autonomy in terms of choosing what they ultimately thought was best for their school. So if they really wanted to do mostly music or mostly dance, or if they wanted to mostly do after-school programs or field trips, that was totally left up to them. So could you provide a little bit of context for us? Just how big was this initiative and how many students were involved? 
Sure. So it's since expanded. For the study itself, we focused on the first two years where they decided to do a delayed rollout of the program. So ultimately, the goal was to serve all schools in the district that were identified as being in need of a boost in arts learning experiences. But for this particular study, which kind of looked at them really trying to refine implementation, the initiative was implemented with 25 schools in the first two years, 21 of which we would ultimately randomly assigned to. So this whole evaluation actually included the 21 schools that received it by random assignment in the first couple of years, as well as 21 schools that wanted to get the program, but we randomly assigned to serve as the control for the first couple of years. So in total for the evaluation, there were 42 schools. In the study itself, that ends up being about just over 25,000 students. But for the main analyses we actually do in this particular study, we focus on about the 10,000 or so students who had prior test score achievements so that we can control for those baseline achievement levels to improve the precision of the estimates of the treatment effect. So can you walk us through your study design a little bit? Uh, What were you hoping to find and how'd you go about finding it? Certainly. So like step one was really sitting down with the stakeholders and coming up with a series of questions we wanted to answer. So that was the the funders, as well as the main implementers, the school district, the arts organizations. Those, those questions pertain to things such as what were the impacts on students, both in terms of academic achievement, as well as things like school engagement and social emotional learning and development. Arts organizations were primarily interested in whether or not this kind of moved the needle in terms of students' levels of interest in the arts. So we also wanted to take a look at that. And then we also wanted to look at whether or not participating in the initiative kind of changed the perspectives of principals in terms of whether they saw new or increased value of the arts in terms of the role and purpose it served in their schools. So that was step one. Step two was then because the fact that we made the case and and we got buy-in to do a randomized control trial was we took the applicant pool of schools that wanted to participate in the initiative, which ultimately ended up being about like 80 schools. So there was definitely a lot of interest throughout the district to participate in the initiative. We took 42 traditional public schools, elementary and middle school level, and we put a little bit more of an emphasis at the elementary level at this stage. That was just kind of the prerogative of the implementers. And then we found 42 schools that matched up with each other on things like student demographics, baseline arts educational resources, as well as student achievement. And then we paired them up based on those different criteria. And then from there, when we had 21 pairs, we basically flipped a coin uh, to decide which of the schools would be getting it in the first couple of years and which ones would serve as the control, and then ultimately get the opportunity to participate after the two-year valuation window. And then from there, we realized that administrative data that the school district was already collecting was not going to be sufficient for answering the broad array of questions that we had. So we also did some original survey data collection where we issued surveys to students, as well as then conducted interviews and focus groups and surveys with principals, as well as uh, leaders at arts organizations as well. And this was a huge endeavor lasting several years. I can imagine. So uh, with no further ado, let's let's just jump into the results. What did you discover about Houston's Arts Access Initiative? So the first thing we found was that as a result of all these different resources and opportunities that were provided, that schools on average took on five additional school community partnerships with various arts organizations throughout the community, and that students ultimately received on average about 10 arts educational experiences throughout the school year. In terms of the impacts, we found some super interesting results. Arts Access Initiative schools saw a significant decrease in terms of the proportion of students who were receiving disciplinary infractions. And that was about a 3.6% decrease. 
We also found a significant increase in terms of writing achievement, and that was assessed through the state of Texas uh, writing test that they issue out every year to fourth and seventh graders. Interestingly, there we also found that those results were primarily driven by students' improvements in their expository writing, which we think kind of aligns with theory that the arts improve students' abilities and levels of comfort with self-expression. And then we also found a significant increase in terms of students' demonstration of compassion for others. And this was measured through survey measures to where we, we surveyed students both in the treatment control and asked them questions with regard to their concern and compassion for others, especially those who are in need or get treated badly. And we found a significant positive effect along those lines as well. It's also worth noting that 36 of the 42 schools in the evaluation or 18 of the 21 treatment schools were actually elementary schools. And when we look specifically at those, the ones that were primarily targeted in the first two years, we also find significant benefits in terms of student school engagement. So students just tend to like coming to school and find the work that they're doing much more engaging. They also were more likely to state a willingness or desire to go on to college. Uh, They also show increases in what's called, or what we refer to as arts-facilitated empathy, just meaning that students begin to see the arts as a medium for coming to learn and understand about how others think and feel, where better able to put themselves in the shoes of others as a result of engaging with art. So given those results, I mean, they're pretty substantial. What do you think are the implications here, especially in light of the accountability demands and the kinds of curricular trends that we've been seeing in the U.S. in recent years? I think that this study really helps make the case that the arts do produce meaningful educational impacts that are in addition to the intrinsic benefits that they provide as well. I I don't think that this is a major surprise to arts education advocates, but I think that this still serves as very critical evidence to help make that case. And we really didn't have much evidence in terms of the benefits of the arts. And so I think that this helps to provide or to fill a critical void. I think another important takeaway here is that in most cases, what we're often relying on to assess the effectiveness of educational outcomes, not just the arts, but in general, is we're often relying on test scores. And we find in this study that there are benefits that go beyond those test scores that we still would contend are education meaningful and valuable. And so I think it would be important for policymakers to take this into account, broaden the types of measures we're looking at, because it's likely that there are many things that are taking place in schools that are not registering with test scores and are potentially viewed as frivolous, which is potentially not fair. And then finally, I think it's worth noting that we find that in this particular study that there was not a significant negative effect. It might seem like there would be an inherent trade-off, or at least that seems to be the intuition as to why the arts have been in decline over the past 30 years, right? So the leading culprit of that 30-year decline has been standardized testing. And the main thing there being is that schools are under pressure to perform. And if they don't do well in these standardized tests, that they can often come under sanctions. And so the response from many school leaders has been, well, cut the arts and like, let's double down on time we spend in math and reading. In this study, we find that actually when schools increase arts educational experiences, that doesn't seem to come with that trade-off. Students perform just as well in math and reading and science as they did before. So while you can't really prove and null the hypothesis, it's worth noting that we didn't really find that trade-off that it seemed as though many school leaders had believed to exist when they were making those cuts in the first place. That's really interesting. 
I'm sure there are many listeners out there right now who love the idea of an arts partnership and would like to see similar results in their own district, but maybe they're worried about cost or capacity. Are partnerships like the Arts Access Initiative replicable, or are there other steps that, say, a smaller district or suburban districts can take to expand arts education opportunities in their own communities? So that's that's a really, really good question and a, and a tough one to answer, unfortunately. So we do know that there are a lot of these partnerships that have sprung up in other major urban areas. So there's there are ones in Chicago and Los Angeles and Boston and Seattle and New Orleans. Some of these have been around for 20 plus years. Some of them have been around just in the past five years, similar to Houston. So we don't know for sure whether or not those are producing similar results, because in many cases, these initiatives kind of take on lives of their own and have their own unique characteristics. But we do believe that this still would provide evidence that there are benefits that result from schools partnering up with these arts organizations and using this as a means to help supplement and enrich the arts educational experiences that students are providing. I think it's important to also note that we're not wanting to view these as being substitutes for school-provided arts experiences, or at least like inherently school-provided experiences. We still think it's super important to have arts specialists on campus on a day-to-day basis providing regular classroom instruction. So we don't want one of the takeaways from the study to be oh, schools should just substitute the traditional classroom experience by just solely partnering up with organizations and neighboring artists to provide these experiences. We don't, we don't think that that's the right takeaway. However, the question about whether or not this would be found in suburban and maybe more rural districts is an interesting question. Concern there might be is that there might not be the same wealth of organizations that can provide these types of experiences. So that might be something definitely worth further investigating. But there are definitely organizations and artists that are thriving in many of these communities. And from what we found from this study, artists and cultural institutions are, in many cases, very willing and enthusiastic to partner up with schools because they really do see the value of providing these experiences to students because these are things that really seem to transcend and carry over into adulthood. Great. And my last question for you today is, do you have any plans to do continued research in this area? Absolutely. So the the number one question we, we've been getting in response to the study is, in many cases, from arts organizations who are asking, okay, hey, I work for a music organization, and this we think this is great, but what can you say in particular about the benefits that maybe the music programs provided in this particular study? And unfortunately, because it was just such a diverse in-depth initiative, we can't really tease apart uh, what the various benefits were from the different disciplines as well as program formats. And we think like a really important next step will be to at least do some initial exploratory analyses to see whether or not there are certain results that are driven more by particular experiences than others. So for example, we want to see do the same benefits come from students who primarily got what we would call like hands-on experiences as opposed to more like consumer-based experiences. So if students are participating in band programs after school, as opposed to going and seeing the symphony, like what are the differing results? We're assuming that there's probably positive results across the board, but that they just might move the needle on different domains. So that's really the next area we're eager and enthusiastic to delve into. Great. Well, this is a a fascinating study, Dan. For those who would like to learn more about it, we encourage all of our listeners to read the full study titled Investigating Causal Effects of Arts Education Experiences, Experimental Evidence from Houston's Arts Access Initiative, and that's available at kinder.rice.edu. Daniel Bowen, it was a pleasure speaking with you today. Thanks, Keith. It uh, It was my pleasure as well. 
Thanks for listening to this week's Research Minutes, presented by the CPRI Knowledge Hub. For more episodes, or to subscribe to this series, visit us at cprehub.org. That's c-p-r-e-hub.org. To share thoughts on today's episode, or to suggest future topics, follow us on Twitter at cprehub.org.